Good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And this morning, you are joined by myself, Lawson, and across the desk from me, we've got Matthew filling in for Danuta today as she is... Off Gallivant. I usually say off Gallivant. I'm sure she has some really <laughs> important work, amazing things to do. But uh, she's not here. And so Matthew's here. Matthew, how are you, bro? I'm really praising the Lord this morning. I'm pumped and mm. I'm excited to give my one last contribution to the radio for the rest of the year. Yeah. I won't be back till next year. Yeah. <laughs> until, until, uh, till the new year clicks over. Now we're super glad to have you. Super blessed. And of course, I mean, a huge blessing for you. I was at Avondale University on the weekend and I saw your wife graduate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for giving a shout out to her. Mm. So she finished a diploma in her in business and mm. she serves as the business administration assistant or secretary there so mm. we were wrapped to have you there lawson because you oh. got to see my son as well so it yeah, completes yeah. the family circle i mean i was <laughs> i was hanging out up the top you know in the in the hall there and, and watching the 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 various people that i know get their graduation certificates and it was good i, I got to go around i i float around a little bit in those kinds of things like that shaking people's hands and whatnot i actually saw you at the top there <laughs> filming i was yeah no no it was really really cool and i think really special time for so many people we had a bunch of friends be able to graduate and it was it was happy to see them happy and it's definitely something that i look forward to one day achieving yeah <laughs> so that's that's definitely something to look forward to but yeah oh just amazing stuff happening in that space and lots of uh, lots of graduations are happening tomorrow my mom is actually graduating from from her degree in business administration as well she's doing a master's in that so powerful stuff amazing stuff happening for people all over australia in the academic space coming up in today's show we are going to be talking about insurance we are going to be Talking about, well, some trauma to triumph, amazing things happening in people's lives. We're going to be doing an awesome interview with Jennifer Skews and continuing our Bible study with a mission to the unreached. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And Matthew, you have to get for us our first quiz for today. Absolutely. Friends, true or false? Both Habakkuk and Nahum have three chapters. Okay. True or false? Look, guys. False or true? All you need to do is send us in a T or an F. You can say true or false. It's a 50-50 chance, guys. You will be able to get... I, I believe even if you're guessing, there are people who will be able to get it correct. So, hey, 0491-064-669. The prize for this week is none other than the amazing Revive Cafe Cookbook, which we want to give to you absolutely for free. We're giving away number eight in our draw on Friday at quarter to nine. But again, all you have to do is text our number 0491-064-669 to be able to go. It will get an entry into the draw with an answer to this quiz. Do you want to give that to us one more time? Gladly. So friends, true or false, both Habakkuk and Nahum have three chapters. Mm, absolutely. True or false. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Matthew, what's happening in the world of positively different news? I'm excited to share this news, this great good news this morning. In fact, oh, wow. I've, bro, I've titled this Humble Korean, well, 
humble American Koreans mm. and their careers. Mm, okay. And it's linked to trauma and triumph, as you said. Yeah, earlier. yeah. Okay. Well, what's, what's happening in that space? Okay. So this Californian teenager, he passed the bar exam. You won't believe it. At what age? 17. Well, you said teenager, but at 17 passing the bar exam, because I'm pretty sure how the bar exam works is that you do your entire law degree and then you do the exam. That's correct. Yeah, That's right. but this guy is 17 and passed the bar exam. What's going on there? Well, absolutely. So he started at the age of 13 in 2019. Wow. Yeah, he's got an interesting name. His name's Peter Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, he's two letters short of Peter Parker, <laughs> okay. who has that amazing web-slinging superpower. <laughs> so this guy yeah. is, is, is slinging lawyers' uh, rhetoric. Yeah, okay. In, amazing. In space. Mm-hmm. And he finished uh, his particular completion mm. at the college-level examination program. Mm. They call it CLIPS. Mm. He started it at the age of 13 back in 2019, at Oxford Academy in Cyprus, California. Mm-hmm. So what's so cool about that is now he's a practicing attorney. At the at age of, how old is he now? 17. <laughs> Imagine you're in a courtroom and uh, like uh, I'm assuming I don't know if he works private or in the, like he works publicly. Like imagine you're one of those people who you know go into court and in America you have the right to an attorney, so they assign you one. <laughs> and a 17 year old kid like walks through the door. <laughs> that would that would be kind of that'd be kind of hectic. But oh, but hey, no, but okay. So this guy, this Peter Park, he's completed. That's that's a ama- an amazing feat of academic genius. Yes, absolutely. He, you know, what's interesting, he's got this quote here. It says, I aspire to become a prosecutor because I'm driven by a moral obligation to uphold liberty, equality, and justice in society. I admire how mm. prosecutors keep our community safe and bring closure to victims. And here's mm. an interesting uh, statistic here. California is considered the nation's toughest bar exam, along with Delaware. Half of all attempts fail. So I just wanted how he's able to climb out of those circumstances and just mm. at such a young, young age, because he was born on, get this, the 5th of February, 1984. Now, that's a different person. That's a segue into this next person I'm going to talk mm. about was Johnny Kim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we mm. spoke about him in the car. Mm. Uh, what do you know of Johnny Kim? Uh, oh, uh, what do I know of Johnny Kim? Well, I know that Johnny Kim is a Marine. Yes. He is a Harvard graduated medical doctor. And he is now an astronaut as well. Absolutely. So get this. Just as you said, Jonathan, this is his full name, Jonathan Young Kim, mm. born 5th of February, 1984. He's a Korean-American. Mm-hmm. He's a U.S. Navy lieutenant commander. He's a former SEAL, Navy mm. SEAL. I love Navy SEALs. I've always wanted to be one because they do the <laughs> things no one doesn't want to get up in the morning to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's a naval aviator. He's a physician. So he's an MD mm. and he's a NASA astronaut. Yeah, he's amazing. We well, just love to accomplish all that. Yeah. By the age uh, 39. He's 39 years old. Yeah. There's this joke among my Korean friends, particularly those who like immigrated to Western countries and whatnot. And it's like, <laughs> never tell your mum about Johnny Kim. It's like, oh, never <laughs> let your mum know that Johnny Kim exists because it's like, there'll be so much comparison between <laughs> the parents, you know? Like, but what's amazing about 
his story is his background of, as you mentioned, uh, abuse and trauma. Correct. So mm. the rest of the story that goes is that um, he was raised with, with an, fortunately, an abusive father. Mm. So there's domestic violence involved with his mother as well there. And uh, unfortunately, one day the, the police came around to answer a call of a threat mm. to his family. And um, his dad was in the roof trying to hide from the police and the attic. Mm. And the police shot him. Mm. He's able to accomplish so much after all that trauma. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you and I, you know, we come from interesting uh, backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, mental health and things. Yeah, but I believe God's taken us from you know places of disappointment to appointment to today. Yeah, and just want to share a little bit more about this interesting man, Johnny Kim. I just mm. want to read his stats. Lieutenant Commander Johnny Kim was selected by NASA in 2017. Mm. Kim is a dual designated naval aviator and flight surgeon. And as a former Navy SEAL, has completed more than 100 combat operations. Mm. The California native was commissioned as a naval officer through an enlisted two officer program and earned his degree in mathematics at the University of San Diego and a doctorate of medicine at Harvard Medical School. He served as the International Space Station's uh, increment lead for, for Expedition, Expedition 65 in 2021 and currently supports crew operations. Mm. Now, I'm going to ask you this interesting question. Do you know what Ikigai is? Sure. It's like finding purpose in oneself and all that he does. It's a Japanese word, I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. Mm. And um, basically, we talked about working on the radio. We don't exactly work. Actually, we, we love our job. Mm. And they, they say, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And what's interesting with Ikigai, mm-hmm. I remember in the beginning with my career, I worked in a takeaway bar at a place called Bloom's Delicatessen in Darling Harbour. Mm. And later I did some work with my father and uncle doing scaffolding. Mm. And I did some brickish labouring, as well as I did an apprenticeship in plasterboarding in a jib rocker, which I didn't complete. I did it for one year. I could do all the basics. Mm. And also worked at Woolworths at night time as a store person. And then later on, I studied with my then fiancé, now wife, Diane, which is a certificate two in business that led me to working 10 years in insurance and, and in banking companies as well, mm. as well as retail supermarkets as, such as Woolworths, uh, Franklin's also back in the day, Coles, and then Costco for seven years. Now, one night I decided to write down what I wanted to achieve, being able to, you know, to touch type from owning a car, drive a forklift. I've achieved all that, and there was two more things on that list, which is to become a pastor and own my own house for my mm. family. So by God's grace, you know, I was asking him along this journey um, to help me. And you know what he's done? He's added things. Like he allowed me to do an evangelism series, one in Blacktown, one in the Philippines. Mm. Uh, he allowed me to be a teacher on the roadshow, you know, mm. roadshow. I served as youth pastor and a scouts pathfinder chaplain. And what's interesting, you ask God for these things, you've got to surrender and be faithful to him, and he mm. fulfills the rest. Because I'm going to ask you the question as well, um, how mm. the Lord has led you thus far, um, um, Brother Lawson. Mm. So we know that verse in uh, Philippians 4.13, we can do mm. all things through Christ that strengthens me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, yeah, if you want to share a bit, and I'll share these two verses at the end. Oh, how has God led? You yeah, how has God led my life? You know, it's it's interesting. You highlight uh, these people who have gone on to do amazingly successful things, Absolutely. despite coming from traumatic backgrounds. And I wouldn't say that my background is incredibly traumatic, nor have I gone on to do I, I, super yeah. amazing things. But yeah. like what I what I will say, you're is, a champion in New South Wales. Fifteen years old. Yeah. <laughs> I was national, actually, national. I was actually. A, Six-time national Six-time national champion. But, but you know what's so interesting about that yeah. is, like, I, I, I mentioned that part of my life. And, you know, I, I, I scarcely mention it here on the radio. Uh, sometimes I bring up motorbikes and whatnot. But, yeah, at one point in my life, at, at 15, I was a six-time national champion for motorbike racing. I was heading overseas and, and, and living over there. And 
um, racing in the Junior World Championship and trying to have a career here. But honestly, the the fulfillment that those kinds of achievements and and the happiness that they brought were actually very much undercut by issues in my family, issues in, in, in all kinds of things. I was you know, 17 years old, living in Spain, racing at an incredibly high level, but mm. struggling heavily with anxiety, stru- struggling heavily with um, self-harm. And that's a pretty heavy topic. So 131114, that's the lifeline number if you're struggling with those kinds of things. But I was in a very, despite having earthly success, in some sense, I was incredibly insecure about my life situation. Yet, Becoming a Christian has given me true peace. It's given me true happiness and it's given me a real hope for the future. And so, you know, I I see like particularly Johnny Kim's story and he talks about a lot, his faith and despite the trauma that he's been through and and, uh, even, you know, the PTSD from war and all these things, it's been his faith. It's been Jesus that has been his anchor. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Matthew, can you get the next question for us? That would be an honour. So, I thought I'd lead it like this. There are two great lights mentioned into, well, there's one great light and one less light, lesser mm-hmm. light mentioned in Genesis. So, that leads to this question, what is the greater light of Genesis chapter 1? Yeah, absolutely. So, what is the greater light? Of Genesis chapter 1. If you know the answer this morning, 0491 is the number to text. And you will actually go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe cookbook number Eight. We want to give it to you absolutely for free. We're drawing it on Friday at 8.45 a.m. But again, that question was, what is the greater light of Genesis chapter 1? If you know the answer, 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. So I know, Lawson, you've got a story for us. But before I do, I just noticed we we're just touching on on that last uh, before the last break. Yeah, you were sharing how you, know, you were a motocross champion. <laughs> I just want to be able to uh, six times and I <laughs> national. Uh, and I wanted Stop, to <laughs> can't help myself. I love you, Lawson. Yeah. I just can't myself. I can't help myself. Mm. But we didn't exactly touch on much about how the Lord has led you today. Because you're on FM radio as well as a presenter. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know, I've been I've been super blessed, and I think I, I look at Faith FM, the work I've been able to do here, and and I look, you know, particularly at I think what I am really proud about, or the thing that I really praise God about, is is being able to to be in baptismal fonts with people who have led to the Lord, and mm-hmm. and I want to say not people who I've led to the Lord, but the pe- people who have come to the Lord. Through God using me. And that's, Amen. that's, you know, students at Newcastle Uni and, and, you know, different people, you know, that I've worked through in diff- with in different communities, uh, sharing the Bible with them and seeing them become convicted and, and actually befriending them, spending time with them and seeing them open their heart to following God. So like that, that's been a, the power, a powerful thing for me. So you've given them a, a, from man's version of life insurance, you've given them that internal life insurance. It, yeah. Which is a segue into a life insurance. Story. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to insurance in a little bit, but I want to, Take a have a bit of a contrast this morning between churches being abused and church abuse. Ooh. I want to I want to see some comparisons between that. I want to start off in China. Now it is no secret that China has a very tumultuous relationship with churches, at least the government between the government and Christianity. And it's interesting to talk to Chinese people, Christian and not Christian, and the different Chinese people with different 
perspectives as to why the government does this you know from one side it's it's I, i've talked to some people where they're like oh the government's just anti-freedom and it undermines their position as as having total authority and control over people in china because the bible you know has a message that can be construed as quite anti-government and i i think we talked about this a little bit yesterday i think that when jesus says my kingdom is not of this earth you know he did not come to establish a physical state and he is not pro-state and definitely not pro-church combining with state and so absolutely you could say yeah the bible has a message that you could consider as anti anti-government in a sense the other side i've heard chinese people that are more favorable to the ccp but simultaneously still christian they're like oh the reason for christian persecution is because they want to stave off american influence and the american attempt at you know ultimately uh, the pressure that comes from the United States as well towards China. So there's a couple of different sides. But what we do know is that these stories of abuse from China, from the government and from the police in China just drastically affect the life of Chinese Christians. You know, I've got one story here this morning. It's current. It's well, recently it was the fifth anniversary of when a pastor and a few elders from a church were detained early on one Sunday morning when they were heading to a prayer meeting. They were, they, their church had been banned by the government. They had gone underground and it had been banned. The question is, oh, why? Like, are they, you know, the reason churches get banned, say here in Australia, in the West, or whatever it may be is maybe because of some kind of intolerance or some kind of like you know nazi churches aren't allowed to exist or white supremacist churches aren't allowed to exist that kind of thing nope they were just like a regular church they were church plant it was like not that many people it was maybe maybe 50 60 people who were coming together for this church and on this sunday morning five years ago bam they're arrested by the police the pastor is put in jail for nine years the other leaders of the church are put in jail for six years and every year they have a commemoration to to you know I guess celebrate their ministry, but also think about like, oh, these people are in jail and, and, and just praying for their safety and, and praying to see them soon and whatnot. Uh, which, which is, uh, I think, a fantastic thing to do. And this year, knowing that that anniversary is growing up and knowing that these Christians are getting together, they've got police at their doors, knocking on their doors and, and, uh, cutting off their power, cutting off their internet so they can't communicate with one another because they were going, because now they're forced to do this stuff online. They can't get together at all. So they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut off their internet, cut off their power. We're going to, you know, con- consistently do checks by coming and door knocking. We're going literally even uh, stalking them, following them around. Like it's such a hectic situation. And these are just church people like you and me. Like think about, oh man, the, the, the life that I live as a Christian going to church is here in Australia, mostly very much approved of by society. Um, even though not uh, less and less of society are going to church today here in Australia, but it's very much, uh, an okay thing to go to church. Yeah, I was in a beautiful, actually, I was in a beautiful church plant on the weekend. Shout out Coast Life Church there in Caves Beach. You know, and this is a similar church to what is here in the Sichuan province in China, this small church. Uh, but they are just constantly harassed by the government and by police uh, because they're seen as this evil, harmful group when they're just a bunch of of Christians trying to share the gospel, trying to be, lead people to salvation. And, and that's amazing. So we see these churches and these Christians in China being abused, direct violation of human rights. 
On the other hand, we have here in Australia the situation of churches participating in abuse. And it's really sad to see it. This story came out recently. It's of the Catholic Church. And there's a big dispute happening at the moment in the Australian Catholic Church due to abuse claims because, well, the Catholic Church Insurance, that is the name of a branch of the Catholic Church, which just does insurance, is now inundated with $381 million in liability claims that are a result of abuse in the Catholic Church. Now, do they deserve to have these claims? I would say absolutely yes. They committed and it was proven uh, that they were participating in the systematic abuse of children. And so it is absolutely, they need to live up to making this right legally. But the, the Catholic Church Insurance, uh, that branch is currently saying, look, we need help from outside entities and we need, we need help to essentially be able to pay these things off or we're going to go insolvent. Now, here in Australia, the Catholic Church owns uh, billions of dollars or worldwide billions and billions and billions of dollars but here in australia at least a billion dollars of resources or right across australia that it could leverage against this 381 million dollar you know liabilities that it has to pay out but uh, instead of doing that it's relying on external insurance agencies and you know they currently have an, uh, a consultant company pwc in working with them trying to work out okay how much is the insurance company going to pay how much is like, church is going to pay? How much are we going to pay? Like, it's it's such a messy situation. And ultimately, the survivors of this abuse are left on the outside looking at a church that is trying everything it can to get out of paying these claims. And they're not seeing any kind of uh, response or, or retribution or anything for what they have been through as victims. And so I think if I can take away anything from this... It's that it seems as though a lot of times being a part of church communities can be quite difficult. Absolutely. Simultaneously, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 28, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together with, you know, the fellow saints. Like the church is massively important and it's been hugely important in my own life. I have so much gratitude and gratefulness towards the church because of the amazing way that I have been treated. And that's not only been a testimony to me, but it's also, it's also been a testimony to my family. Like my family have seen the amazing way that the church has treated me. And even though they're secular and non-Christian, they have become very open and, and I guess loving and approving of the church because of the amazing things that they've done in my life. I'm like, yes, the church is amazing and having, being a part of a church community is powerful. But again, the question always comes back is, is our churches being founded on Christ and his love? Are they being led by him? Because if so, we can experience the best version of church, which is a version of church that uplifts Christ. Hey, if you've got any thoughts this morning, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Matthew, get us our next quiz question. Will do. From Leviticus, what do the following have in common? Seagull, owl, and bat. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, from Leviticus. What do these things have in common? Seagull, owl, and bat. Well, I mean, they all they all fly around, but that has nothing to do with Leviticus. There's there's something something going on there in Leviticus that give all these these animals something in common. 
Absolutely. The only clue I can give is something to do with, we have two brains. You know, they say the one in our head, the other one in our stomach. <laughs> Hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That's 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 cool. We've already we've got hey we've got answers coming in right now. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Of course, our amazing prize for this week also regard, relating to the stomach. We have uh, we have the Revive Cafe Cookbook number eight. You're listening to the Breakfast Show this morning, and on the phone we have Jennifer Skews, our resident mental health expert, to talk about all things. Boundaries. Now, maybe I, I don't want to cross any boundaries this morning, but I do want to ask, hey, Jennifer, how are yes. you? Yes, I'm you very, very well. It's a beautiful sunny day up here. So Yeah, same. It's gorgeous. So I'm very feeling very buoyant. Mm-hmm. You oh, you're, just, you're just floating, dude. You're just floating, living your best life. Oh, that's amazing. That's it. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Now, yeah. as I introduced, I said we're, we're talking about boundaries. What's the, what's, yes, what's the deal there? Right. What, what kind of walls are we putting up between us and other people? Is that a cricket boundary? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can work on any boundaries you like. It's understanding them. And when mm. you look at the first question is, well, what is a boundary? Mm, yeah. I think that's a hugely important question. What is a boundary? And I, I would say that, Boundaries is kind of a safeguard against emotional difficulties that you can have with another person. I mean, if you were, mm-hmm. uh, if you were to put up, I would say maybe a different word would be like a barrier, like block someone out of your life. I don't think that's healthy, but but a boundary is yeah, some kind of safeguard to, to right. keep you safe from emotional maybe abuse or emotional turmoil with the person. Well, it is because we've been talking about emotions and how we react to people and communicate emotions and how they react to us. I thought this would be a good topic to move on mm. to because it is about that protection. But, I mean, an actual, like a boundary is really a line, a mark, a limit or an area. It's like a dividing line. Mm. So, And we can think of all sorts of boundaries and it shows us a limit, you know, as you were saying, uh, or an end to something. It shows you how far you can go or how far you can come. And there are rules that we set for boundaries, mm. you know, there are, but some people don't set good boundary rules, mm. you know, or they don't have boundaries. So if you see it like a fence and a gate, right? Now, some people might have a little fence, but they don't have a gate and people can come in and out all the time and walk all over their front garden, basically. Mm. You know, if you look at a property, um, mm. some people put up a brick wall and you can't get in. Um, some people uh, lock the gate or unlock the gate at times. Mm. So it's unpredictable, but different people have different boundaries. What, what, determines the sort of boundaries that we have, do you think? Mm. Uh, I I think it's probably previous experience that would determine something like that because, I mean, the reason you would build a wall that's, you know, to keep people out is is some level of maybe a trauma that you've received from people. Um, Simultaneously, well, I guess there's different reactions because there's some people that, that don't have those boundaries and have receive trauma and abuse but keep those boundaries down regardless because yes. because that's their reaction yeah it's quite Absolutely. a dynamic space and people all, all react differently and in i guess mm. it's one of those things where i'd imagine on the extremes is unhealthy and then somewhere in the middle is quite healthy 
Yeah, could I, yes. um, Jennifer, can I just yes. share? I agree with Lawson with that one. Uh, they're by experience. Are they also ones like parents when they give them to children to act as safeguards, you know, when it comes yes. to people? It certainly is because we learn boundaries from um, when we're, we're growing up at mm-hmm. a very early age, even as a baby, the, the limits the family puts on each other and on you and um, as you're growing up, how the parents demonstrate boundaries, you know, what they want, if they're watching TV with, with their peers. So we learn about boundaries, but when boundaries are violated, um, the child then loses perspective of what the boundary is. And this mm. is where, you know, a child is traumatised or abused in any way, whether it be mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, whatever way, mm. and it's an adult, then they lose perspective of what is the boundary with that adult. So they grow up not having or being confused. Mm. Therefore, and this is where the sad reality is that people who are predators and want to take advantage of someone will actually target someone who's boundaries are damaged. They yes. know, they sense that they pick it up in their non-verbals um, and they will then target that person. Mm. Um, and this is why I get people coming to me saying, oh, I don't know why I just keep being taken advantage of or I keep marrying or having a relationship with an abuser. And that's because their boundary system has been so damaged that they don't even realise they're giving off the wrong signals. Mm. So this is where we can learn. So some of what I do is help people to learn how to set healthy boundaries. Mm. Yeah, I I love that because, you know, setting healthy boundaries, like you you brought up marriage there, right? And Mm -hmm. when people are trying to gain some perspective about marriage, it's like, okay, what's the green flag? What's what's the red flags? Whatever it may be. And, what what is so interesting to me is that boundaries are regardless of whether people have green or red flags. It's, yes. it's regarding like, hey, is it appropriate to let this person this far into my life yes. or yeah. not, you know, given our relationship status at this point, whether it is friendship, whether it is, you know, a, a marriage mm. or a boyfriend, girlfriend or a parent or whatever it may be. It's like healthy boundaries is like, oh, this is my standard for myself because of this is the yes. respect that I have for myself. So, well, okay. Yes. Amazing. I am really excited to hear and get some perspective about this because I, I feel as though it's, it's, I've seen it in my family life. I've seen yes. it in the life of my friends. You know, the yep. downfall that comes from not setting healthy boundaries. What, what are some yes. of the steps that we can take to do that? Well, before we do that, have a look at people who don't have boundaries, people who have rigid boundaries and how it affects. Mm. Have you ever met someone who you don't know them and suddenly they want to give you a big hug and come right up to you or touch you and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> intrusive. Makes, yeah, 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 dude. That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So sometimes it is comfortable, it's appropriate, but often it's not. And the Mm. person's pulling back or going, I don't know you, you know, and they're coming into (laughs) your space. So when we meet someone, we have a boundary system that you keep, you do keep a certain amount of distance Mm. until you connect with that person. So you might stand at a distance, but then as you talk and you get friendlier, that distance or that gap might close a bit. Mm. Right, But it's recognising and it's not just being aware of our own boundary, it's being aware of how others react to the way you establish your boundaries or are you 
being intrusive, mm. like someone who has a brick wall and really has been so damaged during their life that they don't let anyone in. So if you try and step into that boundary inappropriately, they're going to react often with aggression mm. or they're going to just shut down. Mm. And uh, then we personalise things because we don't understand the boundary system. Yeah, it, and it, mm. I, I love what you said there. We can personalise things because we don't mm. understand, and it's it's not that those people hate you. It's just that no. they're well, they're going through an experience at this yes. at, at that present time of yes. of hate or sadness or upsetness towards something else, and, yes. and yeah, you crossing those lines causes them to Absolutely. react in that way. Yeah, well, boundaries have to do with trust. If I find someone is trustworthy, I can let my guard down and I know that they're not going to damage me. Or if they do, they're going to own it. You mm. know, because we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Mm. And this is where uh, apologizing, this is where the Bible gives us great guidelines. Forgiveness is a reality, apologizing to people, um, communicating, mm. you know, if, if the boundary's been violated, if that person will. And um, I find. That's where you then build trust, where people feel safe with you. So even if you do the wrong thing at times, you'll own it, you'll resolve it, you'll work it out. Mm. So yeah. it's a working relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I've I yeah. found in my own life I was really blessed to grow up. I, I did grow up in a really great family uh, in yes. terms of like I had lots of love around me. And I grew up, I'm a, a boy in a mm-hmm. sister, in a in a family with three sisters, like I don't have any brothers, <laughs> and so but that, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got brothers in the church, but that was actually a really healthy experience for me because I realised like the, I, I got to see firsthand like you know my sisters yes. being women, um, being vulnerable, and my dad actually having a lot to say to me about like okay, this is how you treat women, this is how okay, uh, near the boundaries, you, you know, these are these boundaries that are actually you know for between women and men, that's another factor of like mm. oh that it creates different standards but it kind of get it opened my eyes a little bit about mm. oh wait people do have these you know that people can feel uncomfortable around you despite your good intentions yes. kind of thing because of their own boundaries and their own position yes. and that's actually it's helped me a lot in being able to relate to people in, yes. even in the church context as well like being yeah. able to bring new people in and seeing people and saying oh their boundaries are up their boundaries are down but yeah, yes. just that recognizing that hey, people yes. people are in a certain space, and there is you know a need to tread carefully despite your good intentions. Like I don't want to hurt these people. I love these people. They're my friends. That's They're right. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I'd love to say, yeah. oh, this person's a really good friend of mine. But it's like, hey, respect yeah. where they're at. You can often tell from their reaction whether you've stepped over that boundary or not. Mm. And if you think you have, or someone's reacting, say, look, have I done something? You know, mm. um, are you okay with where I'm at or what I'm doing? It's good to th- check things out. So really to set healthy boundaries, yeah. we can't be self-centered. Sure, we need to be aware of our boundaries, but we also need to be aware of other boundaries, you know, other people. But mm. if we've been damaged, if our boundary system is damaged and we don't have good boundaries and we might let some people in and keep some people out so they might be inconsistent or we don't have any and we just let everyone walk all over us, we become people pleasers mm. and, mm-hmm. you know, there's all sorts of things. So we need to be aware of people's boundaries, mm. you know, and the work I do I have to be because people have different boundary systems so i have to be aware of that and help them with that 
Mm. Um, but one of your questions was, or you, um, how do you set a boundary? Yeah. I, this yeah. is, this is like a really big thing for me. Like how okay. can we, if, especially if we're coming from a background where we've got bad boundaries, how yes. do we, how do we change that? Yes. Well, one of the things you have to do is often we attack the person, we personalize and attack the person, um, you know, or we shut down. So mm. that's where the boundaries violate it. Instead of personalizing and having a go at that person, personally, we look at, look at the behavior. The first mm. step is what are they doing that's upsetting me or what did I do that might have upset them? Mm. So you look at, because that's not personal, an action is instead of a personal attack of your, you're a terrible person, quite the way you, you know, you just said something terrible. And instead of saying, oh, you're aware of the tone of your voice, you know, so mm. you're pointing out the behavior versus um being personal about it mm. with them. So the first thing is looking at the behavior. What is the other person doing that's inappropriate or wrong? Mm. And try not to bounce in and just, which I've had to learn, not to open my mouth and say it as it is. <laughs> I have to step back and be, a, I'm a, I can be too direct, mm. you know, and I've been told that. So that's where my boundaries can be too stepping over people's marks if they're very sensitive. Mm. So looking at the behavior or the problem, then you can also look at, well, how's it affecting me? I'm getting very frustrated with this person. Why is that? All right. And then the third step is looking at what would I prefer? Mm. You know, what changes would I like? So we look at a three-step process, mm. but the first one is the behavior. Mm. Now, if you're going to state a boundary, you can actually use those three things of what the problem is, how it's affecting you and what you would prefer, but they don't have to be in that order. Mm. And sometimes it's just saying what you'd prefer. I'd really appreciate it if you close the door behind you mm. is because they're violating the boundary, leaving the door open, all the flies or mozzies are coming in. <laughs> they're not aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Or you can do the behaviour. You know, mm. I've noticed that you leave the door open when you are coming in mm. and then the, I prefer, can you please close the door after you? Mm -hmm. So, And using, I think, please and thank you and using niceties um, and that's where not being so direct that it's like a command versus a request. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I can imagine an alternative version where you're like, I can't believe you left the door open, you awful person. It's like, oh, no, obviously you know, these, these people aren't uh, like that. They're not bad people. It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, you've just got to work with the behavior that's going on and, and do the right thing from there. We probably do it more so with children. Mm. So it's good to, um, be more gentle, you know, would, and I often go, would, would I like it if someone spoke to me the way I just spoke to them? Mm. All right? And I think another one as a Christian, how would Jesus say it? Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a great, I thought, fine level of going, oh, I don't think he would have said it quite that firmly or sternly yeah. or, yeah. So just to have a bit of a, a point where you can get a leveling point for yourself, what's appropriate, not appropriate, it's really important. Mm. It's, um, yeah, absolutely. Jennifer, no, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. Unfortunately, Jennifer, we have swiftly run out of time, but very insightful how we can set good boundaries. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.